I think one key takeaway I spied in the plan there is it says uh, the plan says that um, enforcement will get extra funding from and I'm quoting here day one of the duty in order to sort of root out bad behaviours. Hi and welcome to Grant Thornton's Risk and Regulation Unraveled podcast, a special edition where we are reviewing the FCA's business plan, which was uh, just released to the market. My name is David Moy. I'm joined by my colleague Ben Farmer. Say hi, Ben. Hello. Um, and we have had the privilege of uh, reviewing the FCA business plan and trying to peel out from it the nuggets of wisdom that um, that, that, that that we uh, we do on an annual basis. Um, what, what's your view of the plan, sort of headline level? Takeaways. We, we, we'll try and dip into some of the detail as well, but uh, but yeah, any 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 major takeaways? I mean, it is frankly less exciting than it used to be, if that's even possible. Um, I think in in an age of the regulatory initiatives grid, the uh, whereas we used to look to the business plan for the the big exciting uh, detailed actions and proposals that the FCA is going to take over the next year or so. Uh, clearly, those live in the grid now. So. This year, it's less of a statement of what the FCA is going to do and more of a statement of how it's going to do it, the order it's going to do it in, which bits it thinks are more or less important. So there are still some important insights to be gleaned. Um, But I think tied into that, last year, there was a big step away from the old approach where there were initiatives by sector that you could break down. So you could put out the trends for the insurance sector, the trends for the banking sector and so on. Uh, This year's followed suit. Uh, but there has been one big improvement because last year there were 30 odd hyperlinks that took you to separate documents. At least this year, it's all nice and neatly collated on one web page. So it's a Thank bit goodness. of an easier read. Um, as as you'd hope for a business plan, it sets out some of the sort of big picture stuff, uh, particularly around what the FCA views as being the big challenges for the year ahead, which predictably paint a bit of a bleak picture, I think, unfortunately. Uh, so they singled out interest rates and inflation, which is mainly written around the potential impacts on market stability arising from them. Uh, highlighted the potential that unemployment might grow more than expected. And clearly that has both risks for consumers themselves in terms of the financial impact on them and some more structural risks for firms in the industry, depending on what it does to people's plans for spending, long term savings and so on and so forth. In a similar vein to the potential for a change in unemployment levels, there's the risk of further declines in household disposable income as a result of the ongoing cost of living crisis. Uh, And then there's the unknown unknowns factor of the potential for further market volatility. Obviously, last year that manifested itself largely through the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. So this year we've got the potential for who knows what could happen. There could be further wars. The existing wars could escalate. There could be some other form of horrendous pandemic or something none of us have either managed to come up with. So uh, please do write in with your suggestions. You think <laughs> it's going to go apocalyptically wrong this year. Uh, yeah, um, that's, that sounds a bit like a, a catch all. You know, the, something will happen we haven't thought of. So we're going to put <laughs> we're going to put this marker down just to suggest we just, were thinking. Yes, yeah, just to show we did plan. Yeah. Um, Also familiar from last year, there are three sort of overarching strategic themes. Uh, Those are reducing and preventing serious harm, setting and testing higher standards and promoting competition and positive change. And so the business plan as a whole is kind of grouped around these headings with some much more granular detail around what they're actually going to do under each of those, which, David, I understand you've been looking at. Uh, yes, I get, I get, I get the fun, uh, the fun part, which is to talk about the uh, the thirteen commitments. Yes, thirteen commitments that uh, the FCA are setting out uh, in their 
business plan as priorities. Um, and, that, and that is a new style of presentation. I haven't then talked in those terms particularly. Uh, those 13 sit under the three strategic themes that, that, that you just mentioned. Um, so they're organised around those. Um, and with varying levels of detail, uh, as you indicated, there's, there's not the granularity of specific um, uh, new, new sets of rules or, or, or new guidelines, for instance, that, you, that now sits in the, the regulatory initiatives grid. Um, so so uh, kind of gleaning from the 13 commitments exactly what will happen is, is, is a bit somewhat of, a, of, a, of an art rather than a science, although I'll try and pick out the specifics where, where we have them. Um, I say 13, it's actually four plus nine in the sense they actually, the, the FCA identified four major commitments and nine subsidiary commitments. Um, and the balance appears to be that the, the, the four are, are priorities and will uh, you know, receive the bulk of the funding um, to, 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 to help achieve them. So here are the 13. Well, I'll do the, the, the big four to start with. Number one, preparing financial services for the future. That's essentially implementing the uh, future regulatory framework. So the, the, the things that spin off the financial services and markets bill that's going through Parliament at the moment. Um, you know, bringing bringing it more EU law back into back into the into the UK uh, specifically and rewriting it in, in in the process. So that that's that's a um, that's uh, the major part of that. Although they also make the commitment, which I think was referenced last year as well, um, but now with a bit more specificity, that they are going to bring forward detailed rules on improving their own cost benefit analysis. So this is a, a, an oft oft discussed topic about whether whether the FCA's uh, uh, CBA uh, when they draft rules that those cost benefit analysis are really sort of fit for purpose and, and challenging enough. So so we are we are due to see some new some some new uh, measures taking place there around how those CBAs are written. Um, number two, putting consumer needs first. Unsurprisingly, that commitment is highly linked to the consumer duty. Uh, although actually, in, interestingly, it's, it's been relabeled in the plan. They now they, they now talk about consumer duty and cost of living. It's it's essentially that's a thing that's a single thing, um, which is I think representative of the fact that yes, the regulators are under obviously a lot of pressure to to demonstrate it's responding to the cost of living crisis. It obviously sees uh, the, the the levers and the principles of the consumer duty as the, the way in which it can do that. So even though the consumer duty, of course, predated the current cost of living crisis, it's essentially the response to the cost of living crisis. Um, the, we saw this coming. Honest, we did. Yeah, <laughs> I know we did. We did. We did. We did predict something like this. Um, I think one key takeaway I spied in the plan there is it, it says uh, the plan says that enforcement will get extra funding from, and I'm quoting here, day one of the duty, um, in order to sort of root out bad behaviour. So uh, I know there's obviously been some debate in the market, as with any new set of rules, as to how robust the regulator is going to be on day one, potentially challenging what firms are doing. Well, the FCA have given themselves budget to go after firms, um, and it will be interesting to see um, where uh, where they choose to spend that, um, that that enforcement time. So that was a key takeaway. Um, and I also mentioned uh, in terms of developments uh, that support putting consumer needs first, the planned review of debt advice advisory rules, um, the consul consultation on changes to mortgage, consumer credit and overdraft rules, focused on improving outcomes for customers in financial difficulties. Again, you know, think things that were in the, the rig. Um, number three of the big four is reducing and preventing financial crime. 
not much new to say here. Uh, although they are allocating extra funding, they are saying they are going to increase their proactive reviews of firms' AML controls. So we've we've spoken in other podcasts, Ben, haven't we, about the number of fines we've seen in this space? Well, um, it, the evidence of, of this year's business plan is there's going to be more and more uh, um, activity, supervisory and presumably enforcement activity in that space. So that's not going to go away. Um, and so it looks like um, AML and the focus on AML is not is not going to reduce in any way. In fact, you can probably reasonably expect to get more uh, FCA scrutiny in that area rather than less. Yes, and reducing financial crime is also another area where the FCA is sort of tying some pre-existing activity into the cost of living crisis, because in the introduction to the business plan, I think they talked about how uh, obviously the cost of living crisis puts consumers at an increased risk of financial crime for things like investment scams, ghost broking and yes. so on. So attempts to save some money. Yes, yes. Um, the fourth of the big four uh, is, is strengthening the UK positioning global wholesale markets. So making the UK more competitive as a as a base for, for wholesale market activity. Uh, and don't get too excited. That's not sort of massive deregulation uh, in order to attract um, uh, institutional uh, activity to the UK. Uh, when you read the detail, and it's it's pretty high level as it is, but it it it, it um, mainly talks about better use of technology by the FCA itself to regulate markets, um, some use of technology to make it easier for, for wholesale firms to to uh, meet their regulatory requirements, report make their reporting requirements. So uh, yeah, not not a night and day change in the regulatory regime, at least not <laughs> not being committed to in the business plan there. Um, so those are the top four. Then there's nine um, subsidiary ones or, or, or less priority ones, but we are going to attempt to run through those just so you have the, the full 13. Um, number five, dealing with problem firms. Um, that's probably good. It's one of the better examples, I think, in the plan of how it goes really heavy on sort of mission statement style language and less so around detail. So it talks about you know, essentially going faster and harder to take problem firms off the off, off the table, etc. Um, so it's very much commitment focused rather than detail focused. Um, although one nugget there is they um, talk about using threshold condition related actions <clears throat> as more of a tool to do that. So rather than potentially going after a firm due to conduct, conduct rule breaches um, and, and using that as the lever to, to take away their permissions, <clears throat> they're in, envisaging going after firms on threshold conditions basis, which, which presumably means, you know, Trying to uh, make a make a uh, make a case that the firm is just unsuitable, inherently unsuitable, badly managed, etc., um, and using that to take firms out. So that that might be uh, that well, that would be something to look for. Um, yeah, they said they want to do that at scale as well. I mean, though, those of mm -hmm. you who like me are sad enough to spend your life sort of browsing the the published regulatory decisions on the FCA website will see that in any given week there are whole batches of firms being struck mm -hmm. off for failing to pay their fees and levies failing to file regulatory returns. So one assumes it will be an expansion of that sort of activity. Yeah, they just materially um, reduce the number of firms in the system. Yes, um, uh, uh, the, the interesting, the, this year's business plan compared to last year, last year's business plan talked an awful lot about outcome measures and, you know, all of the, all of these, uh, all, all of its uh, uh, objectives being, being areas that outcomes would be closely measured on without necessarily providing much detail on what those measures are. This year's plan is is, is less, uh, less talks less about outcome measures. Maybe that's a tactical change. Uh, I don't know, but 
but this is one of the few areas where they do talk very much about outcome measures, i.e. how many scalps do we take? Um, and uh, presumably the more, the more the better, I think, in, 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 in terms of meeting that objective. Um, number six, uh, running down to 13, number six is enabling consumers to help themselves. Um, that's not particularly interesting when you look at the detail, which is mainly around improving the financial promotions regime with, with initiatives that we already know about, um, particularly the um, uh, uh, consulting on new rules that, uh, that will make it harder for one authorised firm to sign off on the financial promotions of another firm or individual, um, uh, and, and also some of the crypto-related uh, FinForm changes that are, that are already out in the open. So there's not, not much to, new to, to see there. Um, Number seven, improving the redress framework, improving the, so in, improving the way that um, consumers um, uh, get redressed when there has been um, a, a detriment. Um, and there are some snippets there that are quite interesting. So there's, they talk about putting out a consultation on redress calculations. Uh, presumably, I think they're talking about at a kind of macro level almost. So we've had you know, very detailed consultation areas, areas like pension transfer address, et cetera. But we, we we're probably lacking a, a a broader set of principles or rules that would apply across you know a huge range potentially of different redress cases. So that that will be interesting to see. Um, and they've said they're going to review their rules to um, consider whether SMEs um, should be given access to FOS. Um, as opposed to the sort of the retail focus of, of today. Uh, oh yes, and, and also they're they're planning to upgrade reporting requirements around complaints. Which, uh, so more detail is provided. I think is the, uh, is the is the direction of travel there. So so there will be uh, more complaints reporting uh, requirements being imposed. Um, number eight is minimising the impact of operational resilience. So they're saying there that um, they're going to do more proactive assessment work on operational resilience. So, so expect somatic and individual firm work there. Uh, and obviously they're going to continue to contribute to the work uh, jointly with the Bank of England and the PLA on, on critical third parties and, and making rules around uh, obligations to oversight critical third parties and, well, and both, both at the firm level and actually the regulator's own power to oversight critical third parties. Um, Number nine on the list of 13 is reducing harm from firm failure. Um, so not a great deal there that's new. The biggest new thing I can see is, is um, that they're going to introduce new financial reporting requirements on, well, they say 20,000 firms, which I'm guessing are firms that are, that are not in a particularly onerous capital regime, regulatory capital regime at the moment, um, but they and potentially will only submit you know, very limited information on their financial position. Um, and uh, they're going to be asked to provide more granular detail um, uh, and, and some rules will be developed to, 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 to require that. So, um, so that will be an interesting thing that at least 20,000 firms are going to have to respond to. Yeah, um, I'd hazard a guess that will probably build on the financial resilience surveys that the regulators started sending out to solo regulated firms during COVID. There seems to be a bit sure. of a theme at the moment of adapting temporary measures from the COVID years and making them permanent. So. That's where yeah, I that, guess that'd go. But that's that's a good point. And quite a few of the dear CEO letters that, that were cranked out um a, a little while back had financial resilience as a as a focus area um for, for the different sectors. So I think they all did. <laughs> so that's clearly clearly something gonna be doing some more work on. Um 
Number 10 on the list, a strategy for positive change, uh, which is their ESG priorities, and they reference things we already know about, so the sustainability disclosures, uh, uh, there'll be a C consultation paper that will follow the ESG discussion paper that, that was recently produced, so um, nothing very specific there, just, just uh, watch this space. Uh, but we've talked before, haven't we, Ben, about the, the, the extent to which, um, due to uh, due to the change in objectives uh, that the, 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 the FCA will experience in the latest financial services and markets bill, you know, this area, particularly around climate change, is going to become uh, an area where they're going to feel they need to regulate more um, more than they currently do. Um, Number 11 is improving oversight of appointed representatives. That's simply saying we've issued new rules around principal responsibilities for ARs and we're going to go out there and test how embedded those rules are. So that's not a great surprise. Um, number 12 is shaping digital markets to achieve good outcomes. Um, again, not much detail there. Uh, slow burn. Uh, they talk about the discussion papers they've issued in the last year or so on big tech and, and a separate one on AI, artificial intelligence. And, and off the back of those DPs, they will develop a regu quote, sort of regulatory approach. So not, that typically means a consultation papers with some draft rules. So we'll see. Um, and number 13, for anyone who's listened this long, uh, the last one on the list, delivering assertive action on market abuse. And I think this is this is quite an important one. The plan doesn't say a great deal. Uh, um, it talks about, but it talks about the the FCA's uh, own refresh of its systems and its ability to uh, surveil the market and spot issues. So the better use of data to spot issues. So uh, they've, they've been running a market surveillance refresh program, as they've called it, um, and that's uh, they should be starting to see some results from that. I think is the is the suggestion. So and they're already pretty active in terms of um, following up. Uh, um, flags that, that show up in our own surveillance and I, I, the implication is clearly that they're going to be doing more of that. So that, those, those, those are the 13. Um, uh, for anyone who's interested, we will we'll be producing a, a summary of the plan as well on the um, on our website as well, so you can you can read, read a bit more about some of these things. But uh, those, I think that was only our view, the, the substantive points in the plan. Certainly for for the for the for the market. There's also stuff, of course, in the plans and the Ben around um, the FCA's internal arrangements and and and, and things like budgets, etc. You've had a look at that for us, haven't you? Yes. So they one of the headlines they flag is their increasing headcount. So mm -hmm. it's increased from three thousand eight hundred at the start of 2022 to around four and a half thousand people now. So that's by my maths about an 18 percent or so increase in just over a year. Uh, and they signal there'll be further steady increases throughout 2023. So probably not quite as much of a pace, but still going up. Um, they focused on their ongoing objectives to establish more of a presence outside of London. They've got nearly 200 staff in Edinburgh. Their Leeds office is now well up and running and is planning to focus on digital and data capabilities. Uh, which ties into their wider plan to complete major upgrades of their internal systems and data analysis capability. This is all based on trying to become a more data-led regulator and have more automatic, more automated and faster data analysis so that they can do all the things David was just talking about in terms of targeting the problem firms more efficiently, more quickly, at a higher scale. Uh, of course, all of this needs to be paid for. Uh, so the FCA has said that it 
thinks it requires a material increase in its annual funding in cash terms. Uh, but at the same time, it's also recognising the rising costs many firms are facing and is trying to mitigate those. So it's setting its proposed fee increases below inflation and included within that are some measures specifically aiming to try and protect the smallest firms and prevent them from coming under undue pressure as a result of regulatory fees and levies. Uh, so the minimum and flat rate fees are all being frozen and application fees are also being frozen. Uh, but still, overall, the budget is up nine and a half percent on last year, which in turn was up seven percent on the year before. Uh, there, last year, there was no transformation spend. Uh, this year, capital spend is going up again. There's going to be over fifty million pounds on that. Uh, obviously, BAU spending, business as usual spending is going up, uh, and then some extra budget to fund implementation of things like the future regulatory framework and the consumer duty. Thank you. So um, that's our review of the FCA business plan. This is a single item podcast. Uh, we'll also continue producing our more our more uh, wide ranging regulatory updates. So, so do look out for those. But um, hopefully you found our review of the FCA business plan useful. Um, as we said, uh, some nuggets in there that, that, that we've tried, tried to bring out. Um, uh, if you feel like reading it, it's online and it's about 30 or so pages long. So um, uh, I'm hoping our podcast has been a little more um, digestible than that. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today and we'll speak to you soon.